to Open Questions, a podcast about mathematics. I'm Ben Gillen. I'm Jonathan McCullough. And we are two graduate students, math graduate students at USA. And for these next few episodes, we have special guests joining us, friend yeah. of the pod, <laughs> Rena Samani. Hi guys, I'm Rena. I'm a master's student at USC. I'm a progressive master's student, so I did my undergrad here, and I'll finish with my master's at the end of the year. And then what are you doing after that, Rena? And then I'm applying to PhD programs right now, so hopefully I'll start somewhere in the fall. Oh, where'd you already get in? <laughs> <laughs> I got into UChicago, SC, and Davis. So Let's far. go. Nice. <laughs> and lots more to come back. Who's to say? I haven't okay. heard from anyone else yet. So. Nice. Hey, nice. much more impressive than the school that I got into, okay? So. Very exciting. Here we are. So today, um, I'll be running this episode, and I'm actually going to be talking about a certain riddle that some of you at home might have heard before. I'll give you the setup for the riddle, and then... How it's going to relate to mathematics more generally is I'm then going to extend it into an infinite case, which will give us some information and some knowledge about analysis, and we'll see how far into that realm we get, because it gets pretty complex pretty quickly, so no promises there. But at least in the finite case, it's a fun riddle. Okay, so with that being said, instead of just one, instead of just Jonathan being blindfolded today, we have Rena and Jonathan both blindfolded. If you want to hold your blindfolds up to the mic to let the people hear, get a little bit of that. This was requested, okay? I thought, oh, maybe we shouldn't keep doing the, the blindfolds on the mic, but then it came, it came highly requested that we got... You need a little ASMR. You need a little bit. You need a little bit. All right, get your blindfolds on, Okay. and don't stop me if you've heard this riddle before. Don't stop you. Don't stop me, okay? Yeah. Imagine there are 10 prisoners, and they know that tomorrow... They're all going to be lined up in a line from the tallest prisoner in the back to the shortest prisoner in the front. And on each of their heads is going to be placed a hat, either a white hat or a black hat. Now, the thing is, is that each prisoner can't see the color of the hat on his own head, but he can see the color of the hats of everybody in front of him. So, for example, the tallest prisoner, the prisoner in the back, can see the nine hats in front of him. The second tallest prisoner can see the eight hats in front of him, and so on and so forth. You following so far? Mm -hmm. I'm mm -hmm. with you. And so then, once they're all lined up and all have hats on their head, the tallest person starts. And he either says black or white. And then the next prisoner says either black or white. And then down the line, from tallest prisoner to shortest prisoner, they each either say black or white. And if... The color they say matches the color of hat on their head. The prisoner is freed. Otherwise, the prisoner is killed. Okay? <laughs> High stakes prisoner gambit. Cruel and unusual punishment. Exactly. <laughs> so the question is, what strategy can the prisoners come up with? They know this is happening tomorrow. Okay? So what strategy can they come up with tonight in order to make sure they save nine prisoners and a 50-50 chance of saving the 10th. That is the riddle. Couple notes. They don't know what color hat is going to be placed on their head. They don't even know how many hats of each color there are. There might be nine white hats and only one black hat. There might be 10 black hats. Who's to say? So, have either of you heard this riddle before? Yes. Yep. Okay. In that case, I'm just going to say, 
Listener, if you want to solve this riddle, you can pause the podcast now and think about it. I'll also give you two hints before we actually come to the solution. The first hint I want to give you is that the number 10 is irrelevant to the riddle itself. There could be a hundred prisoners, there could be a thousand prisoners, and you still can save every prisoner but one prisoner. And that one prisoner, you have a 50-50 chance of saving. And the second hint I want to give you, which once I give this hint, you may be able to get it pretty straightforwardly, is that the number of white hats matter, specifically whether the number is even or odd. Okay, and with all that being said, here's the solution to the riddle. The solution is the person in back looks out ahead of him and he sees that there's some number of white hats, right? Maybe he sees an even number of white hats. And if he sees an even number of white hats, he says white. And then the next tallest person looks out in front of him. And if he sees an even number of white hats and he knows the person behind him said white, which means the person behind him also saw an even number of white hats, that must mean that the second tallest person must have a black hat on his head. Because let's think of the opposite situation. If he knows that, okay, if the person in the back saw an even number of white hats and I see an odd number of white hats, there must be a white hat on my head. So therefore, that person says white, okay? And then the third person goes. And depending on whether he knows there are an even or odd number of white hats from the original person, if the person behind him had a white hat or a black hat, he then knows if he sees an even number of white hats, what he should say, and an odd number of white hats, what he should say. You have to take into account the what's being said behind you. Exactly. You have to take into account what's in, being said behind you and what you see in front of you. Right. So the first person is your sacrificial lamb. Exactly. The 50-50, because he just gives the information so that everyone else may live. Yeah, so like um, if... The first person sees like six white hats mm -hmm. and he says white and then the next person also sees six so they know they see even so they know they must be a black hat and that makes sense. Exactly. Okay. And then if the eighth person then goes and he only sees five white hats. Right. He's got to have been one of the white hats. Exactly. Because he knows that the person in the back's on an even number. The person behind him had a black hat. Yeah. Yeah. And so therefore five plus one is even. And so he must have the white hat on his head. Right. Okay. And then if it wasn't clear... If the person in the back sees an odd number of white hats, then he says black. And then you follow along the same train of logic as before, but just the ninth person knowing that there should be an odd number of white hats in front of him. Does this all track? Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. So this is the very standard finite case that people have heard before. I think it's a great riddle. Mm -hmm. It's enjoyable. It uses logic in kind of an unexpected way. And once you hear the solution, it's pretty satisfying. Mm -hmm. <laughs> great life skill as well. Great. You never know when you're going to need that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so here, maybe a less useful life skill, some would say. I think just as important, maybe a little less intuitive. How are we going to use it? doesn't matter, okay? Let's brush those sorts of details under the rug. And what we care about now is what if instead of 10 people or 100 people or even 1,000 people, what if instead you have an infinite number of prisoners? Then, what is the solution to the riddle? That is going to be the main crux of this podcast today. So, your first intuition might just be, oh, we can just use the same 
process we were using before. The person in the back looks out at this infinite number of people and he sees either an even or odd number of white hats. Except, maybe you've already guessed the problem there, but if you have an infinite number of hats, there's no even or oddness to them. They just keep going on forever, right? Have either of you heard the solution to the infinite case? No, I've heard many people try, and I've never been convinced by any argument. I haven't even heard an attempt, so you'll be the first to attempt. Well, you know, I will attempt. We'll see how far we get. No promises, okay? Oh, and how many can you save? Oh, that's a great point. Okay, so you can save everybody but one person. Still? Still. Okay. I don't believe it. (laughs) You'll have to convince (laughs) (laughs) And that's going to be our peak, our climax of this episode, okay? Nice. That solution. But in order to get there, seemingly unintuitively, we're going to take a few similar riddles that are going to help build us towards that final riddle. Nice. Specifically, the slight variation that we're going to look at is going to be that we still have this infinite number of people, but now added complication is that everybody has earmuffs on, so nobody can hear each other. (laughs) Oh, okay. And so now you might say, wait, doesn't that just make it harder? Mm -hmm. And I would say, marginally, it makes it a bit harder, okay? Because now you have an easier goal. And your goal this time is not to save everybody but one person. Mm. It's to save everybody but a finite number of people. So a finite number of people can die. Mm -hmm. They have a 50-50 shot of surviving. And then an infinite number of people will survive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's the first riddle we're going to look at. Okay, wait. Quick recap. Yes. Everyone has white and black hats. Yep. There's infinite number of them. They're all wearing earmuffs. Yes. Okay, got it. And the person in the back starts, and then they go down the line, each saying white or black. They come up with a strategy the night beforehand on what they're going to do, mm-hmm. and that they employ that strategy the next day, and it has to save everybody but a finite number of people. Okay. Mm-hmm. And now, just as in the finite case, I'm going to give you two hints. Your first hint is to use the axiom of choice. Oh, no. <laughs> Your second hint is... To construct sets similar to the Vitali set. <laughs> now, if you don't know what either of those hints means, that's all right. We're about to go on a trip along this podcast, <laughs> and I'm hopefully going to give you a sense of what they mean. So let's first talk about the axiom of choice. What is the axiom of choice, and how is it relevant here? Well, the axiom of choice, I'm sure... Both of you have heard of the axiom of choice, I assume? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Generally, when we talk about the axiom of choice, we're talking about a field of mathematics known as set theory, and the axiom of choice falls under something known as ZFC. So, Mayo Franklo plus choice. And so, what is this set theory? Well, it's a set of axioms that underlies all of mathematics. Zermelo Frankel set theory is eight axioms that are the building blocks of mathematics as we know it today. And we know, don't need to get into those axioms. We tried in the past in a now deleted episode, okay? And that was. Patreon exclusive. Well, if we ever did a Patreon, maybe. You'll have to listen to that, okay? That was two hours of pain. Yeah. Thank God we're not going into all those axioms today and what they mean. Suffice to say is there is a ninth axiom that's different from the others, known as the axiom of choice. 
a highly controversial axiom, mind you. Why is it so controversial? Because some people believe it. Other people say it leads to fundamental contradictions in mathematics. Okay? Really? Highly controversial axiom. The two people sitting across the table from me, they don't even believe it, all right? So what does the axiom of choice say? The axiom of choice says that if you have an infinite number of sets, you can arbitrarily choose an object out of each one of them. What do I mean by this? Imagine you have an infinite set of bowls, and in each bowl there are 10 marbles, and all the marbles look the same. Well, the axiom of choice says I can arbitrarily choose one of the marbles in each one of those bowls. Another classic example is that without the axiom of choice, if you have an infinite number of pairs of shoes, I can choose the left shoe each time because the left and the right shoe are different. So I can say choose the left shoe. But if I have an infinite number of pairs of socks, well, the left and the right sock look the same. And so without the axiom of choice, I'm not allowed to arbitrarily pick a sock from every pair. But with the axiom of choice, I can say pick one of the socks from every pair. Any questions about the accident of choice? Do you know, like, the contradictions it leads to? It doesn't lead to inherent mm. contradictions in the mathematics themselves. Yeah. It only leads to things that we would think of as contradictions. Okay. Yeah. That we what just... do you mean? The Bonnet-Tarski paradox is the classic example. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Where basically, if you take a sphere mm-hmm. and you break it apart, there's a specific way to break it apart. Yeah. I say break it apart. People might get angry at me. Excuse me, everyone. All right. In the comments, <laughs> partition it to be exact or partitioning it. All right. Into six different sets. And then when we add those sets up back together, we end up with two spheres of the exact same size and volume and density right. is the idea. Yeah. And so that seems contradictory. We break one thing apart, and then when we put it back together, we get two things that were the same size as the original. And that uses the axiom of choice. That, the breaking things apart, right? The way you choose things as you break them apart uses the axiom of choice. Mm. Wait, is there a way you put them back together? Yes. We might come in a later episode to the Bonnick-Tarsi paradox. It's a fun little paradox. I'll be back. I want to hear it. Yeah. (laughs) We'll get you back in the studio for that. And by studio, I mean a room in Levy Library that we might get kicked out of again. (laughs) So, all that being said, you now understand the basics of the axiom of choice. If you have an infinite number of sets, there's some number of objects in each of these infinite number of sets, you can arbitrarily choose one of those objects, right? So now, we come to... The Vitali set. And so to understand the Vitali set, you need to understand a little bit of analysis, Mm -hmm. a little bit of real analysis, which, as Rina aptly points out, (laughs) is a dangerous thing to try to understand. Real analysis, let's just say, is a sort of great divider, okay, where before real analysis, you feel like you understand math. And you love the world. (laughs) And after real analysis, you're confused and lost and sad. All right? Hopefully we won't get there today. But let's get a little bit of the basics into us, okay? So here's how you make the Vitali set. The Vitali set is a subset of 0 to 1. So if you take the part of the real number line from 0 to 1, some subset of that is the Vitali set. Which subset? Let me tell you. (laughs) 
Take all of the numbers on the real number line, okay? Take every single number. Then we have an element in the Vitali set if when we subtract the real number from an element, we get a rational number. And that element of the Vitali set is the only of its kind. So let me give you an example. Pi minus 3, which is 0.14159, on and on and on. So that's an element. And now, here is the question. What can we add to that number in order to get a rational number? 0.14159. So, so just to subtract off that number and get 0, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So therefore, we would say that this number pi minus 3 is an element of the Vitali set. Specifically the element where you subtract off a pi and you get a rational number. I'm a little confused. Yeah. Like, because then can like you do any real number and just like subtract it? What do you mean by that? Like, I'm a little confused at what, how we become a member of the Vitali set. Because mm, mm. couldn't you always just subtract off the irrational bit of it? Yes, that's what you do. And that irrational part that you're subtracting off, if you would subtract off that irrational bit from any other element in the Vitali set, you would get an irrational number. That's the key. Let's remind ourselves, just for the people at home who are wondering, what are we talking about with real numbers and rational numbers? Rational numbers are just numbers you can express as a fraction. Whereas irrational numbers are numbers like pi or the square root of 2, which are impossible to express as a fraction. And so if we take the rationals and the irrationals together, that forms the real numbers. And so what I'm saying is that if you take some irrational number and you subtract it from every element of the Vitali set, there will be exactly one result that is rational. But how do you become a member of the Vitality yeah. set? So that's, it's kind of unclear how you become a member. Do okay. you understand that once you are a member, this property holds that we can subtract off the square root of two and we'll get only one rational number, right? I take every element in the Vitali set and I subtract off the square root of two. The square root of two is irrational and I'll end up with only one rational number. Every other element will still be irrational once I subtract off square root of 2, but one element will be rational. Okay. So another way to think about it, okay, if you know a little bit about algebra, is you can also consider it to be the group of the reals quotiented by the rationals is equivalent to the Vitali set. Hi there, Benji here, cutting in to say that Turns out in this episode, we talk about equivalence classes and equivalence relations a lot more than I thought we would, and it turned out that it was the most useful way of understanding Vitali sets and understanding the solution to the riddle, and so therefore, I just want to give a quick overview of what equivalence classes are in order so that you can understand a bit more about what we are talking about. An equivalence class is basically exactly what it sounds like. It's a group of objects that we say are all equivalent in some way. So we might say that, oh, we could take all numbers that are divisible by 4. So for example, 0, 4, 8, 
12 would all fall under one group, and then 1, 5, 9, 11, and so on would fall under a second equivalence class. 2, 6, 10, 14 would fall under a third, and then 3, 7, 11, and so on would fall under a fourth. And so this would be partitioning all of the integers into four different equivalence classes, where each one corresponds to a whole infinite set of integers, of positive integers, and therefore, when we are talking about choosing a representative from the equivalence class, we can say 0, 1, 2, and 3 are our representatives for each equivalence class over the entire space, where the entire space is all the integers, and 0, 1, 2, and 3 are our representatives. And so as we continue with this episode, you will see examples of representatives being chosen from certain equivalence classes in a very similar way. All that's saying is we're just choosing one element. We've decided this is somehow the special element that we talk about when we talk about this equivalence class in general. So, like two real numbers Mm -hmm. are equivalent if their difference is a rational number. Yes, that's exactly right. Okay. So you have this set of equivalence classes. That's your Vitali set. Exactly. Okay. And so, like... um, zero and point one four one five nine those are not equivalent because their difference is uh pi minus three you mean that's just pi minus three and so those yes the difference between zero and pi minus three the difference is irrational and so they therefore they are two different elements yeah and so when you say like you subtract from the vitali set only one is rational is that what it was yeah Whenever you subtract a number from all the elements of the Vitali set, what you end up with is a set where only one of those numbers is rational. Wait, but wouldn't like pi minus 3 and pi minus 2 be in the same set? But if you subtracted pi from both of them, they'd both be rational. Yes, and so they're actually the same element. You have to only choose one of those two Got elements. It. Okay, so that's the axiom of choice. Exactly, Rena. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Because... The axiom of choice allows us to choose a representative element from each of these equivalence classes. Okay. You made a great point that pi minus 3 and pi minus 2, you would only be allowed to choose one of them because the Vitali set says that once you subtract off pi, you can only get one rational number. So if you had both pi minus 3 and pi minus 2, well then if both of those were elements of the Vitali set, you would end up with two rational numbers. Not allowed. So you have to choose one of those. And you have an infinite number of choices. How do you choose which element actually goes into the Vitali set? Using the axiom of choice. It's arbitrary, right? We just arbitrarily choose one of these elements. Jonathan, you're looking a little confused <laughs> underneath that blindfold. Which yeah. questions do you have? Your um, questions are the same as the listener questions, I'm sure. <laughs> um... Yeah, interesting. Okay, so, okay, the Vitali set, we're just taking the representatives in 0 to 1. Yes. And this is the axiom of choice? The axiom of choice allows us to take those representatives. Yeah. Mm. So, if you didn't follow any of that, we get a bunch of numbers between 0 and 1, okay, (laughs) that we chose in this kind of weird way. All of our representatives are uh, larger than or equal to 0 or less than or equal to 1. Okay. All the representatives we choose. So the Vitali set 
is some subset of zero to one. So let's <laughs> remind ourselves of what the riddle was. The riddle was you have an infinite number of people in a line. They cannot hear each other. They start at the back and they say black or white. And then they work their way forward one by one. How do you save everybody except a finite number of people? You can let a finite number of people die, but you got to save everybody else. What's the strategy that the prisoners come up with? And so it uses the axiom of choice and specifically uses something very similar to the Vitaly set. Here's the solution. Are we ready for it? Yeah. The anticipation has built up to this point. Here we go. <laughs> the prisoners choose this equivalence relationship. They choose to partition the sequences into this partition. They say that two sequences are equivalent if they are identical after a finite number of hats, after a finite number of steps, after a finite number of entries. Wait, what do you mean? So we can imagine that, let's, let's consider numbers, right? Okay. Pi and pi minus 3 are equivalent after a finite number of entries, right? Would you agree with the, that? The digits? The digits, exactly, right? Because one is oh, 3.1415, the other is 0 0.1415. Mm -hmm. okay. And so after the ones place, once you get to the tens place, and as you keep going, they are identical. Yeah. Okay? Mm, oh, okay, yeah. And so now your gears in your head might be turning and seeing the similarities. And so here's the key. Each prisoner can see every hat except a finite number of hats. Mm -hmm. Would you agree with that? Because mm -hmm. no matter where, which prisoner you choose, there's some number. And so there are an infinite number of hats in front of them and a finite number of hats behind them. Yeah. Okay? Mm -hmm. And so what the prisoners have decided is we have to figure out all of the sequences that become identical after a finite period of time. We choose a sequence that is going to be our representative sequence from that group of sequences. Similar to how the Vitaly sets, we chose pi minus 3 was our representative element, for example. Oh, okay. Oh. So they don't know what sequence they're going to see the next day, but beforehand, they do this, they choose a representative for each. Yes, exactly. Possibility that could happen tomorrow. Exactly. Okay. They choose a representative for each using the axiom of choice. Once again, don't forget the axiom of choice. <laughs> they choose a representative from each, and then... Remember, they can't hear each other, so what happens is they get lined up, they look out ahead of them, and they go, oh, that's what sequence we're actually in, you know? I see off to infinity the mm -hmm. sequence we're actually in, and so the color I say is the color of the hat that I would have in the representative sequence. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then, once again, how do they choose the sequences? Two sequences are the same if they are identical after a finite number of time. And so therefore, after a finite number of time, they're actually on the correct sequence and they'll all be saved after that finite number of time. And then oh. they're good for the rest of infinity. Ooh, that's nice. Uh, wait, 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 wait. You lost me a little while ago. <laughs> <laughs> they're all in one sequence. Uh, what do you mean? Like, wh who's the sequence? Where's the sequence? So the sequence is white, white, black, black, white, black, white, black, from okay. the back out to infinity, right? You okay. start with the person in the back. And they look ahead of them, right? And mm -hmm. they see the sequence yeah. of white and black hats. Yes. And 
that is the sequence that they are actually end up being in. Is when they open their eyes, everyone's got the hat on their head, they see what sequence they're in. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. And so, given that they know what sequence they're in, they know what the representative sequence that they chose for this sequence was. Mm, okay. Right? They would say, okay, given that this is the sequence that I'm in, after some finite number of time, right, this sequence is identical to every other sequence in this partition, in this group of sequences, right? Mm -hmm. And so, therefore, the color I say is the color of the hat on my head in the representative sequence. So they just kill off enough of them so that way they're in exactly their representative sequence. Or they like let go of some of them. Yes. Yes. Okay. You're okay. you're basically cool. correct. Their hat is identical to the representative yeah. sequence as a sequence that they're actually in. So that first finitely many people might not die, but they also might die depending on how different the representative sequence is and the sequence they're actually in. Exactly. Okay. And at some point, the representative sequence and the actual sequence converges, and you okay. end up on the same sequence. Okay, so like, in an example, like, each of them sees the tail end of this sequence, maybe starting at different points. Mm -hmm. And the night before, they chose a representative for the equivalence class that that sequence they see in front of them is in. Mm-hmm. And, like, so somebody in, like, the hundredth spot can see in front of them, and they don't know what's behind them, but they know what equivalence class that the sequence is in. Yes. So they know the representative. Yes. Okay, so they all have the same representative in their head. Yes. Great memories. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Infinite They're memories. Infinite yeah. memories. <laughs> Very impressive memories. Um... So the representative and the real sequence, they differ by some finite number of digits in the beginning. Yeah. Say it's like a thousand. So then after a thousand, they're all the same. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. Gotcha. And so that is the conclusion to the they can't hear each other riddle and a finite number of people saved. And then we just need to change it slightly where mm -hmm. now mm -hmm. that they, now that everybody can hear each other, and only one person dies, and everybody else is sure to be saved. Yeah, that's nuts. How do we change that? Well, let's combine what we learned in the first riddle from what we just did in this last riddle mm -hmm. and say the person in the back looks out ahead of him and he sees what sequence he's in, mm -hmm. and he s determines is the sequence I'm currently in different from the representative sequence in an even or an odd number of places? Oh, and nice. if it's different in an cool. even number of places, he uh, says white. And if it's different in an odd number of places, he says black. Nice. Cool. And then the next person looks out and says, is it an even or odd difference to the representative sequence? Yeah. And after a finite number of time, you come to the last person mm -hmm. in the differences between the representative sequence and the actual sequence. Mm -hmm. And then the next person goes and the next person's like, well, uh, now that now the sequences are identical, and so mm -hmm. I can just say white or black, and I'm in the actual sequence, and so off to infinity, we'll know we'll all be saved. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, nice! That's the conclusion to the riddle. If you want to take your blindfolds off now, oh, nice! I'm convinced. Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, you enjoy that? Yeah, uh -huh. that was so a standard riddle that everyone's heard before, and then a weird riddle that no one quite understands. But this is kind of some analysis we 
really a lot of the elements we kind of ignored and just kind of simplified and it goes into much deeper and harder to understand so if you think this is hard to understand yeah it gets even worse (laughs) you don't so much need the analysis as you need the equivalence classes like Uh i mean Uh to really fully get it i feel like you need the analysis but like to kind of skim the surface you're good with just the equivalence classes oh before we go probably should have said this at the start of the episode is that we are officially hosted on substack maybe not officially (laughs) we are covertly hosted on substack (laughs) i haven't asked anybody about this i just decided that was the easiest place to do it and so you can find us on openquestionspod.substack.com or email us at openquestionspod at gmail.com Send us an email with questions. Ooh. Maybe we'll do a Q&A episode yeah. at some point. Suggestions for episodes. Suggestions for episodes would be great. We can get in and have a drama episode. A low-effort drama episode was promised, I believe, by <laughs> oh. someone. Okay. Well, we'll see what happens in the future. Nice. But thank you so much for listening. And stay mathing. <laughs> <laughs> that is not the tagline. <laughs> We don't have a tagline yet, all right? Rena, you can come up with a tagline for us. All right.